Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Tonight's topic of conversation is the price of progress, the Indiana Avenue IEPUI story, a two-act play about the rich history of Black culture and the evolution of an urban university in the same Indianapolis community. We're going to escape into yesteryear with a multimedia journey from a time before television into the new millennium. The play offers live music and vocals spanning generations, and the audience will experience colorful styles of past times, accented by exhilarating choreography to tunes ranging from bebop to hip-hop. The Price of Progress first debuted on stage at the IUPUI Campus Center on March 19th of 2019. It was also the first staged play at the newly renovated Madam C.J. Walker Theater in Indianapolis, located on famed Indiana Avenue. The show was inspired by the 2010 book of the same name, written by anthropology professor Paul Mullins and Glenn White, as well as the rich history of the Indiana Avenue District, the Ransom Place neighborhood, and the growth of the IUPUI campus. The Price of Progress, the Indiana Avenue IUPUI story, traces a timeline of 50 years before and after the 1969 opening of Indianapolis University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, which sits where this legendary neighborhood once proudly stood, nourishing a wealth of Black talent. Indiana Avenue is the anchor of a district that stretches between the Central Canal and White River in Naptown. It is the embodiment of Black history, culture, intellect, affluence, and most notably, music. As early as the 1800s, the area was a vibrant social, commercial, residential, and economic community anchored by Crispus Attucks and the Madam C.J. Walker Theater, which in perpetuity honors the nation's first African-American female. Joining us this evening to discuss this further is The Price of Progress, the Indiana Avenue IEPOI Story Director, McKenya Dilworth, and Assistant Director, Kelly Skagg, Production Manager, Daniel Bruce, and actors Al Watson, Leonard Harris, and Kelly Skagg as well. To all, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to be here. Well, it's, I'm, I'm really honored to have all of you here. And uh, as we said before we went live, I just want to personally thank you for what you're doing to educate the community. Because it is true, if we, if we forget our past, um, not only are we doomed to repeat some things that are not favorable for our community, but that's a rich part of us that's missing. And as I drive down Indiana Avenue in Indianapolis uh, and I see the Madam C.J. Walker Theater, uh, I am reminded that there was, this was once a, a thriving place. And so thank you for sort of resurrecting that for an evening, a sensory evening of both uh, dramatic reading, music, and perhaps some choreography. And uh, you'll leave hopefully a resonating impact on the people that attend. And one general, um, let's go through general introductions. I'll start with Kelly. Tell us a little bit, a bit, a little bit about yourself, and we'll just go around and, and have everyone introduce themselves. Um, I am Kelly Skaggs, and 
I am an Indianapolis native. I went to Indiana State as a theater and communications major. Also went to IUPUI. Um, I I have been doing theater um, since a child and working with Vernon, uh, honestly can say, for the last decade. Um, And uh, I was a part of the first uh, run of this production, and I'm happy to be back for this run of the production. You have an amazing cast and crew, so super excited about this. Let's go to McKenna Dilworth, director. Okay, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have the opportunity uh, to lead the cast and crew of uh, The Price of Progress. want to really thank Vernon for entrusting me with such a treasure of a script and just really uh, just a wonderfully talented and skilled um, cast and crew um, um, of this production. I am a native of the great city of Gary, Indiana. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yes, and I can go on and on about Gary because I just have such a deep, love for it um, and an equal love for history um, an equal love for our history as African-Americans, because I am of the belief that black history is American history. Um, and so this uh, production is so timely, so apropos, so appropriate for its for this moment that we're all living. I mean, we're living history of something beautiful, chaotic, eclectic, something's happening. And so we need to be a part of it and we need to capture it. And I think Vernon did a wonderfully uh, great, incredible job of capturing um, history in such a way that is digestible um, uh, to anyone, a novice, a beginner in the theater. And so I'm just really honored and I'm happy to be a part. Thank you, Anna. Can you, Al Watson, let's go to you. Good evening. My name is Al Watson. Uh, I'm a lifelong resident of Indianapolis, Indiana, retired, father of five. I've got four girls and one boy. This is my second play I've, I've done with Vernon. I did my very first play with Vernon, oh, probably about six years ago. And I, I think he saw a little something in me and that. He's still trying to bring it out. That's all <laughs> right. I, I think he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, the play uh, tells a lot about Indiana Avenue that I can relate to because I was there. And it's a shame that the kids today are not going to see what the avenue once was. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you for that, Al. And now we'll go over to... Uh, Laird Harris, um, if you'll unmute a little bit, I wanted you to introduce yourself and tell us uh, your 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 role in this play. Well, my name is Leonard Harris. I am originally not from Indianapolis. I'm actually from Louisiana initially, but I moved here about a year and some change ago. It's almost been two years now um, as a performer. Um, I've been performing for a very long time. Um, been singing since I was about four. Uh, I went to uh, Northwestern State University of Louisiana for uh, musical theater and dance as a major with a minor in music. Um, I, um, I've performed classically all around the world and throughout the country. Um, this is my third Vernon production, but this is my first Price of Progress production, which I, I am very happy to to be a part of and very thankful for Vernon for bringing me back once again to deal with my shenanigans. 
Well, thank you, Leonard, for that. And last but definitely not least, I purposely waited to introduce this lady because I have interviewed her many, many times before I'm bringing on. And in the city of Bloomington, where we both reside, she's been instrumental in putting together powerful theatrical performances with another lady, Gladys Devane, who both are thespians, and she's a major production manager with this particular The Price of Progress. So uh, without any further ado, Daniel Bruce, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Clarence. It's great to be here. Um, uh, I came onto this production a little late in the game, but was, had just been working on Onyx Fest with, uh, with Vernon, and it was a, an amazing experience as the production manager for Onyx Fest. And he said, you know, would you be interested in, <laughs> in, um, in taking on, you know, taking a look at Price of Progress? And I was, and I'd heard about it. I'd heard so much about it in the previous years that it was performed, but never did get a chance to see it. And took a look at the script and thought, this is incredible. Got with the cast and, and with McKenna and thought, this is an amazing experience. I do want to be a part of this. And then that it's re- of the reopening of the Madam Walker Theater. It's just got, and it's like McKenna was saying, it is such an important moment in history to be a part of this, to tell this story, you know? And I think that, um, yeah, I think everybody's contribution is vital at this time. And it's great. It has been amazing, amazing experience. There's a lot of opportunities, you know, for me personally as an artist on this show and to get to do some really interesting design work as well. And I am, so I'm really looking forward to the synthesis of, of everybody's skills and, and talents. Well, thank you, Danielle. And, you know, everyone's been referring to this person named Vernon, who we did not introduce. Uh, he, he's probably so widely known that we don't need an introduction for Vernon, but I, I will I will attempt to, to do that now. Uh, Vernon Williams, uh, well, he's a man who wears many hats and um, very gifted, very talented, very creative, also from my hometown of Gary, Indiana. So me and McKinney, and I think anyone else from that great state of Gary? Oh, uh, that's okay. We won't hold it against you. But anyway, Vernon is from Gary, Indiana. And um, he, I don't know how to sum him up in a, in a very short way, other than to say, when his hands are on a project, you know there's something special about it. And with the first launch of um, uh, The Price of Progress, and now sort of this, this second uh, go around with The Price of Project, I know audience are going to be wild. But the most important thing, I think they're going to walk away with something that's going to resonate within them and stick with them. And I've had the pleasure of working with him on another, uh, on several other projects for uh, the IU Alumni Association, both for reunions that we hosted and um, for special events such as the, uh, the inauguration of President Barack Obama and some other things. So uh, he's a person who is high caliber and always puts his best foot forward and all those who work with them come away feeling like, wow, we did something here. So that in less than two minutes is an introduction for Vernon. He's also director of the Onyx Fest, and I need to put that out there. Works at IEPY in the communications department, but it has done a fine job in directing the Onyx Fest as an entity. Okay, I, I want to go right into this interview uh, with the first question. That One, did I accurately capture the essence of Indiana Avenue and the Price of Progress, um, Madam Director um, McKenna, did I did I capture things accurately? I think you absolutely did, and 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 I, I think Vernon must have wrote that because not taking anything from you, but um, it, it's just it's just so laser point on. 
Harlem, it's basically the Indiana Harlem Renaissance. It was a, it was a place, and this is something that please Al, um, help me with, um, a place where the arts live, a gathering place. People have these, uh, these sort of buzzwords now, you know, uh, creative space, sharing space, creating space. When we organically did that. It was a time when we just organically came together because we wanted to be a part of a community, um, an extension of our families. This is where, uh, you know, proclivities were nurtured. You know, if you were kind of tapping all the time and got in trouble in the classroom, this was a place where you could get that bucket and you can go ahead and hone those skills of, of drumming. Or if you were that talkative, loquacious uh, kid in the classroom and you were getting in trouble, this is a place where you could now be dramatic, you know? So right, these right. are, so you did, you did um, accurately capture um, sort of the essence of what, we want to um, give our audiences uh, about Indiana Avenue, such a special place. And to have it at the Madam Walker Theater, I always kind of take a little bit of issue with the fact that people say uh, Madam Walker was the first African-American entrepreneur. I'm sorry, millionaire, I should say, uh, because she was the first self-made woman uh, millionaire. And that is, you know, that says to me more than um, just she was just the first African-American because she was the first self-made uh, female millionaire. Uh, and this was at a time where we were just not, we were discounted. Um, I'm teaching my children in, in, in the English class about marginalization and um, the concept of equality. So when you talk about the intersectionality of, of race and gender, she, you talk about ceilings, she basically created, there, there in her mind, were no ceilings. Um, and, and so I just always sort of take issue with that particular description because it's not, it's, it's euphemistic because she was self-made. Um, and so to have this incredible production and this group of just talented, energetic uh, folk come together and we're the first play to be staged and in this historic place, that that's something special. I mean, that's an elixir of love right there. I mean, woo. I mean, what better? What what can you think of better than I don't know? Maybe a stimulus check again. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, other than that, I'm thinking this is this is where it is. Right, right. Thank you, thank you, Madam Director. And let's go to your Assistant Director, uh, Miss Gags. Uh, anything to add to that? <clears throat> excuse me I mean McKinney kind of took the words right out of my mouth you, I mean absolutely it's our history and it's a portion of history that is untold and the fact that it's being put to music and it's being put to um, visuals and actual um, photos from those times I mean it just kind of puts you in a setting where you're actually there being able to experience it even if you weren't there to literally experience it so I mean, I don't, I don't know if I can elaborate any more than, than that. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, I, I will let you know a little secret. Um, Vernon didn't write these questions. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, what is the running time of the play? 
Um, so Daniel? I want to say um, we're we're about at uh, we're about at <laughs> 90, 90 minutes. 90 minutes and, and we're going to shave a little minutes off. <laughs> it's a healthy 90 minutes. It's a healthy 90 minutes. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a robust, robust, robust 90. Okay, so um, about a 90-minute experience, a 90-minute journey. And, Daniel, this question is for you. Um, what lengths have you gone to transport the audience member on this historic journey? Because in the description, we talked about sight, sound. We talked about music, of course, which can transport us. Um, what lengths did you have to go to, to create that? I think this shows a, an incredible synthesis of the, the potential for the visual, which is in both video and slides. So you have still photographs from the period. You have video that is either from the period or the commentary is there uh, from contemporary perspective all that benefit of the years. And then you have uh, visuals in the dancing, as well as hopefully what we create on stage that is the backdrop that gives people a sense of the setting. And I think there's, it's a, it's a stylized approach, but it's also, it, it gives you a sense of period in some ways. And then it, as it gradually moves farther downstage, it becomes more and more contemporary and in the now in that way, you know? And so it's almost like um, paper dolls kind of come to life in a strange sense, you know, like it gets more and more animate as it comes farther downstage toward the audience. And it's a, the color scheme is really simplified. It's to black and white with a little bit of red, you know, all throughout. So you can, so things that we want to focus on are, are the focal points with those red moments. And it's, um, it's, a, I think it'll visually be very appealing. And I think it's just, um, it's a great way to keep an audience's attention, which we know is so difficult in this day and age. You know, it's it's it has a lot to look at without it being, I, we hope, overkill, you know. Okay. Well, thank you uh, for our two actors, Al Watson and Leonard Harris. Uh, this question is for you. How, how much of a challenge was it to get uh, these characters to sort of come alive off the stage and connect with the audience? The character creation part. Are these hybridizations of actual people that once lived? Uh, so what went into your craft? to convey that to the audience. We'll start with Leonard first. Ooh, yay. Um, well, I'll say that um, uh, for, for, for me and in my experience, it's, 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 it's more of understanding the history behind what you're doing or the, the intention behind the character itself. And, mm -hmm. it's, and you know, the entire show is, 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 is designed to tell a story and designed to like, to like, drive home this 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 you want to you want to you want to leave the audience thinking about what you just did you know what i mean and in understanding my role in, in the show like as being like someone who's also like acting singing and dancing all throughout the show in this entirety it's like you know you you you're you're part of a puzzle piece of a, of a bigger bigger picture if if that makes sense, it's like you're 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 the the, the Ken doll in the dollhouse, you know. <laughs> and it's it's it's. I think the most challenging part is it about it is 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 like piecing those pieces together to make the machine work. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Al, uh, Mr. Watson. If you will, yes, sir. sir. You know, when I first read the script, it was kind of spooky. I said, who's been talking to Vernon about me? You know, because these were things that I grew up. 
I remember as a little snotty-nosed kid, <clears throat> my brother and I <clears throat> going to the Walker on Saturday morning to watch the 25-cent movie. <clears throat> you get the best bag of popcorn for 10 cents <laughs> and a drink for 15, so you spent 50 cents. And we saw some good movie. Uh, I had the experience of playing my first adult club when I was 13 years old on the avenue. There used to be a gang of clubs on the avenue. And as I played in the bands through high school, there's not too many clubs I didn't play on the avenue. Um, there were after-hours joints that we played. Uh, we would play one club to 2 o'clock in the morning and pack up and go play after-hours joint to 6. I, I come from a family of musicians. My dad played in the Air Force Band. Uh, my mama played a piano. We used to have jam sessions in the front room. And the people I was playing with all knew my parents. So <laughs> I couldn't get into nothing because they would tell. But <laughs> they they took good care of me. And I, I'd say they put my wings on right. I, I got exposed to real musicians at a, at a young age. Uh, you know, when you, when you said that, when you said that you were exposed to authentic music and real musicians, my mind went to West Montgomery. My mind also went to Cab Calloway, uh, who performed on the Avenue. The Avenue was like a Mecca. That's right. At that time. And I believe it was Cab Calloway penned the song, Minnie the Moocher, yeah. based on a, a bag lady on Indiana Avenue. Uh, there, there's a vibrant history uh, around Indiana Avenue. For those who just tuned in to bring it on, we have the delight to have a conversation with not only the cast of The Price of Progress, the Indiana Avenue IEPUI story, but we're talking to those behind the scenes who are directing. Uh, for instance, director is McKenna Dilworth, and she's being assisted by Kelly Skagg. And Danielle Bruce is offering her, her craft and talents as production manager. And actors, we have Al Watson, and we have Leonard Harris, and also Kelly Skagg uh, uh, jumps from behind uh, the curtain to to portray a character. Um, now, we, we talked a little bit in the first part of this just about the mechanics of the play, uh, the challenges and what it means to all of you. For those that don't know about Indiana Avenue, meaning they travel down Indiana Avenue now and they, and they see the current array of buildings, but they, they're not transported back to a time when IUPUI was not there. When perhaps I-65 didn't shut, uh, shoot through there, uh, when there were beautiful architecture homes that, that resided there. Uh, now we want to talk about the significance of Indiana Avenue and what happened to the community. So, so let's go back to the director because you capture, you have to convey the, the vision to that cast. So Madam Director, uh, McKenna Dilworth, what's the significance of Indiana Avenue to you? Well, the significance of the avenue is is the metaphor for our um, very existence and the importance of our existence, the importance of visibility. Because as you come into Indianapolis, it's unavoidable to pass Indiana Avenue. And so there once was this vibrancy of a collective of African-American artisans, artists, creatives, uh, just a just a vibrant community. But guess what? You know, 
I think I heard you mention that, you know, people can't really see it now anymore because the architecture has gone and all of that. But guess what stood? The walker. The walker. The walker stands. And it really reminds me, and this is not hyperbole, it is up there with, you know, I've traveled pretty much all over the world. And when I was in Rio de Janeiro, one of the things that I love was, of course, the Christ statue. And whenever I am traveling from Gary, um, trying to get to rehearsal, <laughs> um, I am always comforted by the walker, right? And I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm not being hy- hyperbolic. I- I'm being real. It soothes me. It tells me I'm home. You know, I'm home. There's a part of me that's home. And the walker is like that. It's a visible clarion call um, reminding us of what we what we were. And what is so interesting and beautiful about the inside of the walker is the harken back, Sankofa. Let's reach back, right? And so you have this pharaonic, you know, reverence and tribute. I used to live in Egypt for seven years. And living there let me know that we hearken from a great place, right? The birthplace of humanity and civilization. Um, and so when I when I zoom through, because Danielle zoomed me, um, <laughs> through the walkthrough, right? And I looked at the, the sphinx and, and all of the intricacies um, of this pharaonic detail. It's, it's just, it's all about Sankofa. Let's bring from the past what we can use and is useful for the future because you cannot negate the past and think you're going anywhere in the future. You have to give, you have to give reverence to the ancestors. You have to. And that's something that we in this culture, now I'm talking macro in American culture, we don't do a good job of, of doing. And so I think this is a step in the right direction of saying, you know what? Okay. IUPUI, Let's tell the truth. It's not about being politically correct. It's not about hiding from, you know, critical race theory. I just call it history, telling the truth. Um, So if we would commit to telling the truth and this is what we're doing, we can get we can get closer to what's called reconciliation and healing. That's what I think. That's how important I think this piece is. And what uh, uh, McKenna just described is when you go into the Madam Walker, um, to watch a performance, a movie, or a play, or a concert uh, with the accents and motif and, and everything sort of Egyptian slash African, you're, you're sort of put into a certain state of mind as you sit there and you look around at the ornate artwork and the ornate craftsmanship of the pillars and, and you're thinking, wow, this was something special. Well, imagine audiences back then walking in and experiencing that it's like leave all your burdens outside let's go back to where we've come as a community as a people right. um, as african americans yeah waiting wait in the water as you say mm-hmm. um i read somewhere and and actually now now vernon penn this and, and, and trying to describe um indiana avenue he compared it to and for our gary folk you understand this to midtown and gary indiana um, to the south side in Chicago, to the Greenwood area of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to U Street in Washington, D.C., to Sweet Auburn Historic District in Atlanta, and the 10th Street Historic District in Dallas, and of course, Harlem. 
as this place in the Midwest, this Mecca where not only artisans from jazz artists, uh, you can almost say it's, it's almost came close to being a cradle for jazz, jazz music, but talent, uh, business individuals came through. And of course, uh, one of the most resilient, phenomenal, self-made African-American women millionaires, Madam C.J. Walker, built an empire on this block. And I'm so glad that that it's still there, still standing in the Urban League next door, uh, for all all this represents to the city of Indianapolis and all those who visit. Um, I do want to ask Al Watson, because you said something interesting that you lived it. And, and, you, and you gave an example of going there and having the world's best popcorn. I may have to push back because I think the Gary State Theater had the best or the Palace Theater had the best popcorn. But I understand what you're saying. Popcorn. Um, what, what else took place there? I mean, I mean, I know we had Christmas Addicts, which itself is just, you know, history. But what else was at the Madam C.J. Walker um, that people flocked to? Of course, uh, you get your hair done. It was one thing. Now, she uh, created her own, own uh, hair product. Uh, musicians wanted, wanting to be discovered would play outside the walker. And uh, a lot were discovered by name acts and uh, either taken inside to play with them or taken on a roll with them. Uh, a lot of people were discovered off the avenue. At, at one time, there were 32 clubs on the avenue. There's, and... Uh, they're not any now. And when I when I think back, I, I really didn't know what I was what I was in the middle of. And it's just flat out history. I was playing music with guys that were big names. And they were just some of daddy and mama's friends back then, you know. And uh, it wasn't until I got older that I realized who these guys actually were. Jimmy Cole on the uh, local jazz uh, saxophone players in Indianapolis, my uncle. I played with his band, his big band and his combo for about seven years. I met a wealth of people playing with him. Uh, I learned to do music the right way. Uh, They took me under their wings and showed me the things to stay away from. Right, right. I didn't need that to play the music. You can play the music without the extra stuff. Uh, it was an education, yeah. And I am well, so sorry that it's gone. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, Jimmy Coe. I was going to mention that name as well. Um, I think there was Jimmy Coe and there was someone named Pookie. Pookie Johnson. Pookie Johnson. <laughs> yes, um, and there were And there were just countless clubs. Now, I'm trying to think. Jimmy in what direction? Yeah. What direction did these clubs go along the, the breadth of Indiana Avenue? Did it did it go beyond? I guess what the intersection of West Street is it? And it, did it went go further uh, east, or yeah, the avenue went from Michigan Street on the uh, southeast side all the way to Tenth Street. Okay. And uh, that was several blocks. It was several blocks and several clubs. The whole stretch, you know. Uh, there was just so much going on back then, and I had no idea what I was in the midst of. Now, now, Madam uh, Director, you 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 said to tell it like it is. I have to. We're eventually going to get to this question. 
Okay. What what happened to the avenue? Uh, was it a combination of the uh, price of progress? That's the right. Price of, the show for that. <laughs> the, the, the answer is in the price of progress. So I'm thinking then the the development creation of IEPUI is mm-hmm. is an element to that right. answer. The building and you know, of I sixty five and right, and, on and, and, on. and it's something to be said about open communities throughout the United States are experiencing. Um, the G word, you know, gentrification. Some people look at that as um, invested sort of or the reigniting of economic development. Right. right. Um, and, and so a- along with all of this, one of the things that I do find hopeful is that when you sit in these urban planning lectures and, you know, you look at the curriculum and all of that. Now they have all pretty much acquiesced to including people who are in the community. Listen to what they want, Uh, because no one in their right mind wants to sit in the middle of filth. No one in their right mind wants to live in a shack, right? It is about not having the resources. It's less about the motivation. Let's not make assumptions. If we must make any assumptions about a community, um, that has been depressed, let's assume that the resources aren't there. Let's not, you know, assume that the motivation to be better and do better isn't there. And so you have these people who come in and they just say, okay, well, this is great. This is by the water. We're going to do this, this. And that's why the G word gentrification is so is so much of a, a curse word, you know, almost. So what happened to Indiana Avenue? Some people would say progress. Some people would say a damn shame, mm-hmm. right? You know, it really depends on the group you're speaking with. Um, I think this production doesn't preach. It isn't, while it is educational, it's edutainment. It isn't about preaching to you. It's about providing an expression, a platform of expressing both sides. And I think it says something about IUPUI to endorse such an honest, authentic piece mm-hmm. as opposed to make us look good, <laughs> you know, right. make us look good, you know, right. uh, um, you know, because they could have gone that way, but instead they went the way of the truth. And I think that's very courageous. Hey, uh, let me ask, uh, Leonard, you were nodding your head. Um, how do you agree with her on, on her statement? Uh, you, you look at, you look at like impoverished communities around the country, right? We know that like most of our people live in low income housing areas and like, like these slums, if you will, uh, uh, ghettos, like, you know, boroughs and like all these, all these, these low income areas are, it's, 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 from my experience, coming, you know, I've I, I've never, you know, I've, I've I've never lived down the street from like some place that like had high like high gang activity. I've been I've been privileged most of my life. I have cops for parents, so they kind of did a really good job of keeping me away from that. But um, it 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 it's from an outside perspective, just looking, it's crazy when you see the lengths that people are willing to do to just maintain some sort of dignity in their life and like the way that they live in their lifestyle and to have somebody come in and literally take away all of that and your way of life and like the community that, that was built on the backs of like 
your grandmother, great grandmother, your grandparents, and all these all these people that came before to now replace it with something that doesn't necessarily mean as much to everyone else as it does to like, you know, it's, it's, it's picking what side of the argument that you want to take. It's like, is it a benefit or is it like, you know, diminishing a, a community of people? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is which is why the G word exists. You know what I mean? Right. Well, um, Delia, I, I have a question for you. Um, tell us, what's the significance of Christmas addicts in this conversation? What does Christmas addicts speak of uh, with the Indiana Avenue experience. You said, what is the significance of Christmas addicts to the story of Price of Progress? Yes. Uh, well, I know particularly in one of the scenes, we have the mayor that was um, that was in office when the transformation from Indiana Avenue to IUPUI was taking place. And it was a place that was prim- primarily for Black students, but we did have some allies that went there too. And that's what the mayor speaks of is being an ally for the community and um, the growth of that school and the impact that it had on the community and the people that went to that school uh, eventually went on to um, better themselves in the community and being a part of Indiana Avenue and also seeing the growth of the actual campus kind of connects that bridge where you have people that experience the avenue and you have people that experience IEPUI as seeing both. We talk about, we just talked about how, uh, depending on the perspective, was this a good or bad thing? You're now introducing people to the conversation that can see the good in both situations. You can, you now have a narrative of people that see the not so great in both situations. And I think um, incorporating Christmas addicts, you're uh, speaking of history and the people that were involved in that time. And that's a narrative that's also very important to this show as well. Um, For those that have just tuned in, the voice you heard was Kelly Skaggs, who is not only the assistant director of the Price of Progress, the Indiana Avenue IEPUI story, she's also an actress who uh, plays a role in this production. Uh, Joining her is the director, McKenna Dilworth, and production manager, Daniel Bruce. And we're also speaking with actors Al Watson and Leonard Harris. Um, I, I, Danielle, I, I want to talk to you about I'm sorry, this. just just one second. I'm sorry. I think it was really beautiful what Kelly said. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention that Crispus Addicts was the first to die for America. Right? He was the first to die. I mean, that's something to be said. He was the first to die for liberty. He was the first to die in the Boston Massacre, right? And so that is something, there's something, there's just so many layers to this. Um, Names mean something. Madam C.J. Walker means something. This is posterity. This is historic. So I just had to put that in because I didn't tell you what I did professionally. I do theater professionally, but I'm a teacher too. Right, right. So taking that example, would you say Indiana Avenue sacrificed itself? Are you asking for me? our current generation? Well, Absolutely. I'm asking, I'm asking yes. directly. Okay, I want to take that, that line of question. You brought it back, girl. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but, but, Daniel Bruce, uh, I have a question for you in that. And you did some heavy lifting to sort of create sight sound and to make sure that things flowed and using uh, the, you know, the different senses that we all have. You wanted people to experience Indiana Avenue 
visually, through through hearing, and on and on and on. So tell us, um, what lengths, again, did you go? You, you talked about color schemes, uh, the black and and sort of incorporated with the red, and, and that denoting certain things. Uh, when I see black or black and white, I'm taken back to a certain era automatically. I, I just say, I mean, most people are. But, but tell us uh, what other things you incorporated into this production. Um, I will say this. I think with the use of the black and white, just to, for clarity, it's it's really the idea of using black and white, but the white and red will kind of be there in, in, to symbolize IU. But the gold with the black, if that ever happens to be on stage together, is for Purdue. And then, you know, it's nice to have that kind of that color bouncing across the stage in a way of this landscape yeah. of of symbolism, you know, and, but I do, I'm an extremely multi-sensory artist anyway. And I think that, you know, when you can speak to more than one sense at the same time, people are immersed in the experience and then you have much better chance of it resonating and then going on to, they really remember it because it captivates more than just one sense. You know, I mean, if you, if we could use smell, we would, because my goodness, that attached to memory is great. It's, it's a shame that we can't actually, you know, capitalize on that, but, um, you know, not at least it, maybe inadvertently we do, but you know what I mean, but not on purpose. And um, but definitely the visuals and then the sound is such an important aspect of this show because of the music, but also just it's a different it really marks a different time. And because right. this is a historical piece, there are different sounds today than we had, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And um, and you don't know it until it's brought to your attention. And then you start to go, oh, people, this is a different sound. And you know how you can just feel when you see a movie that's made from the 70s or a movie about the 70s? You know what I mean? That's made today. It's, it's, I always look at them and go, I can spot the difference because there's a cleanliness in today's version of the 70s that the 70s themselves maybe didn't have. And that's kind of the way I, I see this. You know, you've got to really, to get something to feel authentic, there is, you've got to get a little dirty in that way, you know, and you've got right. to kind of, you know, feel your way through it in many other ways. And talking about uh, being authentic and getting a little dirty and, and going against the grain. Kelly, I have a question, another question for you. How does it feel to play the role of character? The audience loves to hate in the role of the arrogant upscale Nicole. Um, it is wonderful. It, and it's kind of like this. <laughs> it, it really is because I, I honestly feel like my character um, kind of gives that extra little nudge to give us just a little bit more history because my character is so gung-ho for IUPUI and all that it's done to enable her success that it just pushes um, Al's character, Clyde, to, it's like, well, you're so fancy. Here's what's really fancy because I bet you didn't know this and I bet you didn't know that. And um, this is one of the, my favorite characters to play. It's, 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 it's not me at all. I'm, I'm nothing like this by any means, <laughs> but uh, it's one of those characters that um, I love because it helps drive home the message of the history that we're trying to offer because you hate her so much. You want to love the history that Al's giving you. So uh, that's, that's one of the main things I love most about the character I play. Well, you know, I just saw the color purple uh, last night for the umpteen time and yes. you described being the modern day mister <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, everyone but, loves to play a villain. <laughs> but, uh, but Leonard, um, to you, what is it, what's the challenge of playing multiple characters in the same play? Uh, <laughs> Keeping up. <laughs> 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 
it, you know, it's, 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 it's very, I'm trained in musicals. So like, it's, it's, it's not weird for me to play like multiple characters in a show. But I think, I think the challenge is, is, it's especially like dance wise. It's like trying to remember like whatever we're in. So like, oh, like, okay, I know that I have to dance in this number. And like, okay, how do I start this again? Because I feel like I've done this a million times already. <laughs> and it all just melds in together. But, um, you know, it's, 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 because because the show has has such a flow to it and because of the way the, the the show is written you know it 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 it's 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 not easy to get lost in it but it's, i guess it's easy to lose yourself in what you're doing and i think that's that's the hard part it's like staying a few steps ahead without like diminishing the quality of work that you have to put out Okay. All right. And before we go to Danielle, uh, Al Watson, or should I say Clyde, uh, can you describe your character for our listening audience? Uh, Clyde plays a character that grew up around Indiana Avenue, and he's bitter. He's Uh bitter about how Indiana University came over and took over the avenue and the neighborhood surrounding Indiana Avenue. He wants to tell the true story of what happened, and it's not been told. Uh, the characters, the other characters in the play, aren't aware of the history of Indiana Avenue, mm-hmm. and there is quite a rich history there. Right, right. Well, I, I thank you for that, and you know, I, I think at the end of the day, or at the end of the uh, robust ninety minutes, uh, people are going to walk away carrying something. And, and I, I really want to get to this because I think uh, that, well, the success of a production and, and the crew, not only the, the characters, but then the uh, directorial, directorial staff is what's going to resonate with people as they walk, away, walk away. And I know along with telling the story of Indiana Avenue, when do you hope the takeaways will be that the audience will take away? And then also the cast, uh, you're living this, you're breathing this. And, Ten years from now, you're going to look back and say, I was a part of this, but what are the main takeaways? And I, I go back to Kelly, I go back to McKenna, and I'm going to ask Danielle uh, the same question. Um, so, Kelly. Uh, the biggest thing that I want people to take away um, here recently, I've been networking with quite a few of um, artistic people in the city. And the common narrative is that, Um, There's a misconception that you have to go to California or you have to go to Chicago or to New York to really prosper as a performer or an entertainer, as a as an artist. And knowing your history, knowing the history of Indiana and Indiana Avenue, knowing that it was right up there with Harlem and all of that. It's if it can happen once, it can happen again. Right. And so if you know your history, they always say, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat yourself. But this is one of those situations. If you do know your history, you could be blessed into repeating history and creating Indiana Avenue all over again. And I hope that it's one of those things that people are empowered by the evolution of the world and how it works but also inspired to create your own. Like our, our ancestors are the ones that started the Indiana Avenue in the beginning. And it's up to us to recreate that as we see fit through social media, through what we have locally. So I, I just hope this story is an inspiration that something great was here and something great or even greater can still be here. 
Okay, uh, before I get to McKenna, Danielle, your use of uh, and your contributions in developing the set design and using different aesthetics for the Price of Progress, uh, how will you help that audience member that's experienced this have something to take away? Well, I think I think it's just that immersive, multi-sensory experience. If we do our job right, they will feel like they've stepped back in history for a minute, they got a glimpse of it, and that they are inspired enough. Because coming up from Bloomington to Indianapolis, I see Indianapolis is crackling. It is ready. It is. It so has so much going on artistically that it, it's on the verge right now of something beautiful and great can happen. And if this show is any part of that push in that direction, I think that is, it will be of just a magnificent contribution. And it is absolutely possible because it does remind you, but it also speaks to this isn't a one-off. It doesn't have to be a one-time thing. This can, like Kelly was saying, this can very much happen again. If you really are paying attention to without it being something that has to be to put you through turmoil to do it. You know what I mean? It doesn't, we don't have to politically be divided in order to recreate something really extraordinary artistically. And I think that, um, that's what I, I hope we can contribute. And I hope that the aesthetic is lingers and stays with them and inspires them. Okay. Now, uh, McKenna, um, director, tell us, uh, you're, you're, you're lifting a heavy load. You've you got to inspire your cast. You got to keep them motivated. You got to keep them focused. And you got to tell the story. But uh, you want that audience participant to walk away, change. Or transform. So, so what's your hope uh, as takeaways for this? And, and I think, yeah, what's your hope? So, my my hope from the very beginning was one that was rooted in humility and coming to a cast that had been together um, for eight straight productions. Mm-hmm. So, I was coming into a family, right? And so, I had to humble myself and listen twice as much as I talked. And so, one of the things that I uh, wanted to do was share with the cast one my love for uh, theater and my love for uh, sharing our experience as African-Americans and how committed I was to making sure that characters were characters and not caricatures Mm -hmm. and so um, investing in the characterization investing in the intentionality and the motivation behind every uh, motion, the blocking, making sense, making sure that aesthetically we were telling a unified story. And so I wanted to, in investing um, that in the production, uh, my biggest hope was to develop relationships, which I think have happened. Um, I have a healthy respect for each one of the cast members. I have a fondness for them. Um, Otherwise, it would be very difficult to get in the car on a Saturday morning, six o'clock in the morning and drive down for two hours and drive back two hours. Um, And we've been and I've been doing that since August. Right. And so um, just that physical act of investment Uh, Because in this moment, in this day and age, we have to invest in one another. We have to tell the story and it cannot be a singular isolated story. 
Um, the way I direct is very much um, an ensemble choreographic type of way. I like French scenes and all of that, not to get too technical, uh, but I like continuity, smoothness, no dead space, because life isn't about having dead space. There's always something, ha- even in silence, there's something going on. And so our task as artisans of the stage, as artists of the theater, our responsibility is to move the the audience. It's not our responsibility to move them, you know, the in any specific direction. So in other words, I'm not the director that says, I need anger right now. I'm the director that says, what do you feel right now? What is your actor's choice? You know, how high are the stakes? Um, because I'm not going to manipulate that moment. And I say all this to say that our responsibility is to move the audience. Indifference is death to the theater. Mm. If you haven't moved the audience in any way, and that means pro or con, you haven't done your, you know, and, and, and to really bring the point home, if you hear people opening peppermint (laughs) in the middle of your monologue, you have lost you have lost her okay <laughs> i mean and that, power and, there. Right? Like, yeah. the power of the peppermint the power of the peppermint power of the peppermint because you know phrase. you know the old mother of the church when she started digging in that peppermint and started distributing it on the first row you know the preacher's ah. not he's not bringing it now now, now. right, I'm, right. Gonna, I'm gonna get calls on that one okay. but wait 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 wait, wait. <laughs> You mentioned something important because as we, we got about, actually, whoa, we have about three minutes left. Time flies, but uh, I have to ask this question. Will there be a Q&A or a facilitated uh, experience at the end to help audience members process the experience following the performance? Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> maybe at least for one night. I mean, maybe we could right. do it for one night or the next I think okay. Saturday night might be the best night, mainly because there's a bus or buses coming yeah. from Gary. Um, and so some of my students, my drama students, and they, they're um, taking a bus and they're coming from Gary. So um, a Q&A um, and they're going to have they're going to definitely ask questions about characterization and motivation and intentionality and um, research and all of that, you know, hint, hint. And so, um, you know, you guys are prepared. I am so. Yeah. And so it has oh. been wonderful to watch cast members actually say things like you know what I didn't think I could do that or I feel like I can do this that to me is that to me is testament that we did something right I'm going to squeeze one more question in and I need uh, 20 seconds response from everybody Um, how many Indiana avenues with such a vibrant history are there around our nation and what can communities do to preserve them and or commemorate them so I'll start with Leonard and we'll go around the horn. So Leonard, what do you think about that? I think there are, are several places around the country where people can go and feel that they can do what they want to accomplish what they want in life. It's just up to them to go out and find it because it's not going to find you. Okay. And Danielle? I actually think that it, there's Indiana avenues all over the country and maybe not in, the, in such a way that is fortunate as this Indiana Avenue in the, in the regard that a university, something that can benefit you, came in and, and took over. But instead, they've actually nothing this pro, like positive took over. So I think it's about really recognizing what you have around you and, um, and working toward it and getting, getting along, you know, making it work together cooperatively, because I think you can have both. Al, Al Watson. 
one thing I've learned since I've gotten older is own your venue, own your building. A little bit harder to put you out then. <laughs> yes, sir. Right. Uh, Kelly. Um, I, I'm kind of a flower child. So I internally, I feel like Indiana Avenue is within all of us. Kind of piggybacking off of what Leonard said. We all have the capability to create the world we want to live in, right? It's just a matter if we take the initiative to actually create it and get like-minded folks such as these to help promote and support that vision. So absolutely, Indiana, Indiana Avenue is anywhere you are if you have the mindset for it. All right. Um, uh, Kenya, we, we are over time. Um, but that's uh, your you way know, of saying I'm long winded. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my way of saying you have been so passionate through this conversation <laughs> that I, I will take I will take producer uh, privilege and say I think you said it all over the past hour. Okay. But, but again, uh, we want to thank the Price of Progress, the Indiana mm-hmm. Avenue IPUI Story Director, McKenna Dilworth, Assistant Director. Um, we have. Um, uh, Kelly Skaggs, and um, we have production manager Daniel Bruce, actors Al Watson, and Leonard Harris, and also Kelly Skagg again. We want to thank you all for joining us to discuss the upcoming theatrical performance scheduled for November 4th through November 6th at the historic Madam C.J. Walker Theater. The doors open at 6.30 p.m. and the show starts at 7 p.m. Admission is free. But a ticket, a ticket is required and obtainable at Onyx fest.com that's o-n-y-x-f-e-s-t dot com bring it on has an open submission policy so if you have an idea for this program let's hear it send an email to our volunteer staff the address is bring it on at wfhb.org and if you have an event or happening the african-american community should know about please send the info directly to the bring it on staff or if you want additional information about a calendar item or any of the guests you've heard tonight contact us at bring it on at wfhb.org our show's executive producer is yours truly. Our assistant producer is William Hosea. Our consultant and WFHB News Department director is Cade Young. Our program engineer is Chantal LaFontaine. Our original theme music was created by Jamil FM with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. And be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.